Hello, everyone. Alex here with a quick note. First of all, thank you for tuning into our show. Unfortunately, this session had to be recorded virtually as a safety precaution, as I'm sure we're all used to by now. Most of the audio was decent quality, with the exception of the DMs track. We apologize if the quality there is lacking, though I do hope that we make up for it in charm. Some of the dialogue had to be re-recorded for clarity's sake, although I do want to say it was done verbatim how it was improvised at the table. That is all. With that, I welcome you back to Strixhaven, and I hope you enjoy the orientation. Talk to you after the show. Previously on Roleplay Radio. You all realize the five of you are heading to the same tower. The Croc Tower seems to be filled with a lot of very interesting characters. <laughs> the first one to enter is the, a gnome. Rosemiffenbit was Philoms. You like books, do ya? Can I see if I was able to sneak one of her many books from her? Ooh. Oh, that's Ooh. a nat 20. Oh, Mr. Burninghammer. It's Griff or Griffin, please. Costa's been kind of like looking around and trying to make friends with everybody and knows that Griffin just like went straight to his room and seemed kind of agitated. Sticky bun? He's not really sure what to do with this kindness. I would have Griff go around like the local area to see what his name is on. Like, <laughs> surname. I pick one and I deface it. Cost did bring their loot out just because they were like, oh, well, I want to try it. And then, do you want to be my friend? Do you want to be my friend? <laughs> Loser. I'm Greta. Greta Gorin. Oh, Gary. Do you lift, Gary? Greta! Stand there! Ho oh, ho! And just pushes you away like, good move away, loser. Gary 100% like falls flat on his ass. <laughs> Charlie's just gonna be petting the cat and thinking about like how they saw so many cool people and wish that they like spoke to them, right? You see a pair of bunny ears. Hello, what's your name? <laughs> Tobias. Tobias Swiftfoot. Oh, hey, Tobias. Um, if you jump, I'll jump. <laughs> Shelly jumps. <laughs> it is the following morning. The day of orientation. Describe to me what this morning is like for you. Would there have been a time of night after which I finished reading the fairy tales that I could have planted them back in the common room without anyone noticing? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, because everybody would be sleeping in their rooms. You can head down to the common room whenever. I may ask you to roll a stealth check, though. See how quiet you are. Yeah. Well, that's a 17 plus 7. Damn. <laughs> you are very, very light on your feet. Uh, nobody, nobody makes a peep. You get down there. How does this look? You just, you just drop it off? Um, I think I kind of tuck it between couch cushions. So it's reasonable for someone looking for it to not notice it, and then go back and sleep for a few hours. <laughs> Anybody else doing anything during the night? I think Griff went right to bed, didn't he? He just went right upstairs. Yeah, you were barely outside during all the mingling. You just, you went out to vandalize your grandfather's name on the plaque outside of the tower, and that's all you pretty much did. And he made eye contact with his rival. Oh, that's right. Yeah, with the elephant. Rampart. So the next morning, you guys all wake up at your own time. Um, you're expected to attend orientation that day at noon. So you're kind of treated to a nice uh, breakfast in the morning. And uh, in addition to a buffet of food, 
there is a large, heavy trunk right in the center of the common room that says for the students of Croc Tower. I know one person who would be up at this time, but it depends on y'all. Who's an early riser? Mistake I think very late. <laughs> so definitely not her. I, I would think that just because he, he went to bed, well, he went vandalized and then he went to bed relatively early. I feel like he would be up. Okay. Um, you, you wake up, you go downstairs and you see this trunk. It's so quiet that you think you're the first one down, but there happens to be a tree looking figure in the corner meditating. Uh, you hear a low rumble. He's pretty off put by it. Ooh. And then he kind of blinks when he hears you presumably downstairs moving around. Name? My name? Yes. You are the only one here. Uh, Griffin. Griff. <clears throat> Tell me, Griff, why do you isolate yourself? Uh, well, until I meet people who are more enjoyable than me hanging out by myself. I'm good. Hmm. You enjoy the stillness and tranquility of being alone. I can sympathize with that. Clothes. He points at the trunk. Mine were too small. Yeah, so uh, Griff would go over and you know, sort through it and find his thing. Yeah. Uh, they're kind of <laughs> tied up in sets, so you get your five sets of uniform for your first year, and they're kind of tied into a bundle. And you see uh, another nine sets. Can I take note of all nine? Sure. Different shapes and sizes. Uh, you see Garrett Griggs' name. You see one that just says uh, Adrian Silvertrope, and it's been scratched out, and it just says cost now. Similarly, you see one with a different name that's been crossed out and says mistake. And of course, Shelly's shell. Okay. So I would say that Gary's a fairly like average riser, not really on the early or late side. So if everyone else is a late riser, he might be down earlier. I think that as soon as he gets down the stairs, he'll like look to the kitchen and be faintly disappointed that they've like laid out breakfast for everybody. And then just be like, well, all right then, go fix himself a plate. You notice uh, sitting against a wall is Greta, who probably got up a couple minutes before you <laughs> nearly chokes on her food when she sees you. Um, hi. He's going to very pointedly walk away. Okay, 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 okay. She like gets up, cracks her neck, flexes like she's about to hop into a ring. Hey, Garrett. Um. <coughs> <coughs> oh. 
Okay, uh, I just wanted to say that what I did last night might have been a bit, like, crappy. Well, it was. Do you make a habit of just pushing over people that you're trying to befriend? Sometimes, um, I have a really hard time dealing with, like, social situations, and, like, I've never been popular until, like, now, and I, it's difficult. So you figured you'd just pick on somebody who looked like a loser? Well, when you say it like that, it just makes me sound like a jerk. I'm sorry. But I can do better. I'll believe that when I see it. Koss is probably like in your average riser, but uh, it is also a new location. And there's a kind of well-known thing where if you're sleeping for the first time in a new place, you're not going to sleep quite as deeply as you do usually. So I think they're, they've been up for a little bit, but they've been trying out different looks in the in the mirror before, while trying to like make the best first impression to all of their uh, professors and stuff. They'll begin heading down and they'll have kind of the, a standard suite of elven features because they've decided that if they want to look academic, then looking like a high elf seems like the best way of doing that. Except they've also got like some other features like their eyes instead of being like your standard eyes are just like pure slate blue and uh, their hair is all like the same color of blue draping down from beneath their giant floppy hat. So they'll go down to the chest and uh, check it out, grab their clothes, say, good morning, Thorin, and then head over to get some breakfast. Aurora comes back downstairs. And she is wearing her first year uniform or one of the one of the sets. She's ripped it already and uh, made it so that it's like one of her shoulders is like exposed. She's added some jewelry and some trinkets to it. Black uh, nail polish, black lipstick. She looks ready to go. And to your surprise, she speaks to you. She says, Hey. Oh, uh, good morning, Aurora, right? I don't think I got your yeah. name formally. That's the one. Who taught you how to play? I taught myself. Hmm. It's kind of just something I picked up. Uh, my, my name's Koss. It's, it's nice to meet you. You did really well last night. She shakes your hand, but she says, Careful, the uh, nail polish is still drying. Oh, right. I understood. It's not something I have to deal with usually. I just make them whatever color I want. <laughs> Lucky. Well, anyway, you, um, you weren't bad. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Well, thank you. I'm glad you didn't hate it. It was a bit joyful for my taste. Usually I write songs about either nature or death. It kind of sounds like your songs would fit in well with the Witherblooms, yeah? <laughs> my best song is called Bury Me in Rose Petals. It's a bit too hardcore for the professor's taste. But I don't give a shit. Well, I'd love to hear it sometime. What are you doing later tonight? I don't know. Um, still unpacking. Well, I'll be down here if you want to join me. If you can keep up. Okay, sure. Mistake probably has been like in and out of sleep for most of the night. Don't think she slept very well at all. Uh, tried to sleep on the bed. 
didn't like it, moved to the floor, couldn't really sleep, and at some point probably around like 9, kind of gave up and started like unpacking things, spent a while trying to figure out where can I hide weapons in this room. Found a solution to that. <laughs> and then 30 to 60 minutes-ish before they have to leave to go there, that's when mistake would go downstairs. So I presume that uh, Shelly will probably be next. And so they go down the stairs <laughs> very slowly. <laughs> Backwards, I might add, on all fours. <laughs> Great, and by the time you get down, uh, most of your roommates are down there. You greet a good morning and they motion you to, towards the trunk where your very oversized, very round first year garments are. Shelly uh, kind of just like looks down and then just goes straight over to wherever the cat is and says, Hello. And sits with the cat. You actually feel something very blocky in your underarm area behind okay. the cushion. Shelly's gonna take it out, not know what it is, and put it in their shell. I presume that Shelly carries all of their possessions in their shell. Uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> and Shelly, you are able to see over uh, Rosie's shoulder that she's near you. She's writing a lost and found report. Shelly's gonna go up to uh, her and just be like, wow, you're doing a great job with that sign. It's not a sign, it's a lost and found report. I lost my childhood book and I'm very sour about it, so please stop asking me. What book is it? What do you do with the report? Well, I give it to Nora and guess I just wait it out and hope it turns up. <laughs> I said stop asking me questions. Oh. Shelly takes out the book. So I should give this to Nora? Uh, how did you... Where did you... When did you... Oh, it was on the couch. Uh, I checked there multiple times. Where exactly was it on the couch? Um, um, I, I honestly, I'm a bit, I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm, I don't, I don't have very good dexterity, so I don't, it was beneath me on the couch. Look, look, it's fine. Don't worry about it. The important thing is, <laughs> it's been found. You just made me very happy, you know? And she just rips up the Lost and Found report and tosses it in the fireplace. Rosie Miffenbip, was Phillips. Pleasure to meet you. I'm gonna go get changed. Shelly goes back to the cat. <laughs> Griff has been here the entire time, and so he sees the cat, and he's just disgusted by how the cat has relegated itself to being pet by anything but its family. And he he is simultaneously pitying and angry at the cat. So, your acceptance letters all stated that for the orientation, you needed to head to the Biblioplex, which if you know Strixhaven, or even if you don't know Strixhaven, you would know at least the word Biblioplex, the university's grand library. And it is meant to contain every copy of every book and every spell in Arcavios, and some say even of the multiverse, however many are very skeptic and, you know, consider that damn near impossible. 
But regardless, it is still a very impressive piece of architecture. And when you step outside, you see swarms of students all uh, heading in the same direction. Some of them are walking. You have to walk through the Archway Commons, which uh, are, well, it's, it's a really a big park, or a set of parks, really, that are spread throughout the central campus. The largest portion of the Archway Commons is right in front of the Biblioplex. You can walk through there, or you can take the alternative means of transportation, which is carriages. Uh, these carriages normally transport students from the student towers or from anywhere in the central campus to the five individual campuses. However, today, this morning, they are transporting first years to the Biblioplex for orientation just as a way to, one, to be courteous, and two, to really give the first years that, that Strixhaven experience and get them used to uh, traveling by carriage. It's very much a norm here for students that don't like to walk. The thing about these carriages though, they're not like the ones that you two saw in Ravnica, nor are they like any carriage Mistake has seen in Redfell, or even Griff in his manor. These carriages are being pulled by Pegasi. Beautiful majestic creatures, white, black, all sorts of varying colors in between, giant beautiful wings that are currently kind of tucked away, but you can tell just by looking at them that if they were to expand those wings, they would measure easily like 15 to 20 feet in length. Cuss is um, walking out towards orientation, I think probably with Gary as their oldest friend at this point. And as they see the Pegasi pulling the carriages, Cuss just like taps him on the shoulder and like, Oh, I want the pet one! I want the pet one! I mean, you probably can. Can we still walk though? want to see the campus. I, I mean, you can walk. I'm going to go pet the Pegasi. Alright. Bye. I'll, I'll go immediately over to the Pegasus and just start and pet it. Uh, can you roll me an animal handling check? Sure. Uh, oh, I got a 19 uh, plus 2 is a 21. Nice. Okay, yeah. Very nice reaction. There's like a little bow from the Pegasus. I'm, <laughs> as the Pegasus bows, I also whisper, I love you so much. <laughs> now, if the Biblioplex was already impressive from afar, it is all the more beautiful and majestic on the inside. To quote the book, Majestic marble archways, tomes seemingly stacked for miles, and the infectious energy of hundreds of young adults fill the Biblioplex, the grand library at the heart of Strixhaven. The sights, sounds, and sparks of magic in the air are wondrous. There's an information desk right across from you, and to your left you see a lounge as well as a student's store. To your right, you see the Biblioplex Cafe and its seating area. And in the far distance, something glowing inside of a, a hall, a grand hall, where the doors are wide open. And you don't even have to venture that hard of a guess to know. That is probably the Hall of Oracles. Your acceptance letter stated that you must report to the Biblioplex's Hall of Oracles to receive instructions on new student orientation. And you can already see crowds of students heading in that direction. I'm going straight to orientation. Might see if I can find Gary again, but otherwise. Yeah, I think Gary's probably already sitting. 
Because I feel like people who were walking actually beat the carriages. They probably did. I, <laughs> the carriages just look nice, and yeah, they, they are there to transport people who uh, who want it or are otherwise incapacitated and can't. Yeah. I think Griffin would wait for everybody to get settled in so that he could find a place to fit in with that he can pick where he's not being intruded upon, but he gets to pick the last place. So he kind of, you know, doesn't have to interact with everybody. As you step into the Hall of Oracles, an almost sacrosanct sense of calm descends upon you, upon all of you. The bright orb of energy is bigger than you even imagined looking at it from afar. It hovers right above a pillar. This pillar, uh, you get the sense that it has a hollow tunnel on the inside because the energy from this orb is basically traveling through that pillar and collecting in a pool of energy at the bottom. Uh, there are students gathered around there. They are, some of them are like daring each other to get closer and closer, but nobody really seems to want to. Um, there's a lot of whispering and a lot of staring. And that orb is, is so bright that it's almost blinding to look at. It's like staring at the sun, but it's bright blue. Now the shape of the, the Hall of Oracles is, um, it's round. There is the front and center of the room, it's kind of sunken in, and students are sitting on these stair-like seats all around. You see an Alan lady descend from the opposite end of the room. She is dressed in black and white robes, and while you may have seen Alan professors and students out there flying around, this lady walked in because you see that one of her wings is bandaged up. It doesn't seem to face her much. She's walking around with a smile, looking around at all the students, shaking hands, giving head nods, polite gestures here and there. And eventually, after a couple minutes, the Hall of Oracles becomes quieter. The chatter turns to mumbles, the mumbles turn to whispers, and then the whispers eventually cease. And this professor takes center stage. Welcome, students. I am Professor Mavinda Sharpbeak of Silverquill. It is a pleasure to have thee all here. In just a few short days, thou shalt embark on the journey of thine life. Several mages of the world, and indeed of the multiverse, made their roots here at Strixhaven. They went on to do great things, saving their world from ruin, fighting greed and corruption, and even slaying powerful mythical beasts that threatened their lands, thus saving countless lives. But that was their journey, my dears. This is your journey. Know that it is okay to stay true to thine selves, and to thine own selves be true. Thou art at Strixhaven to grow as a person, to discover the person who lies within thine selves. And we, the faculty of Strixhaven, are here to support thee in every step of the way. In just a few moments, thou wilt be provided with thy class schedules. But first, my favorite part of orientation. Ladies, gentlemen, non-binary folks, shall we commence with... She stops mid-sentence as 
The doors at the end of the hall open quite loudly. A woman walks in. A woman with a face so serious and firm, it might as well be made of stone. Rosie, Rosa Miffenbit was Fiddlums, taps one of you in the arm and says, Oh, that's her. Captain Dapplewing. I heard some people call her the Iron Lady, or the, the Lady of Iron, something like that. I, I don't know. She is dressed in regal attire fit for a queen. Her hair is cut short, uh, short at the sides, but she's got a bit of a, a pompadour going. And while her hair is noticeably silver, like close to white even, she does not look that old. She almost has an ageless face. Um, if you had to put a number, maybe mid-40s, but it's very, very hard to tell. And <clears throat> as she descends the stairs, she dominates the room. Every single pair of eyes turn to her, including the Owlin professor that was just speaking, Mavinda Sharkbeak. And Mavinda is very visibly thrown off by this interruption. Allow me a few words, Mavinda. Oh, uh, sure, sure, Captain, sure. And she looks around the room for a couple minutes, tries to make eye contact with as many people as possible before speaking. And as she walks, her boots echo throughout the chamber. And one other very memorable thing about her is that she's got a clockwork owl following her, almost like a pet, but it's very obviously fake. Looks almost like an owl that would be on top of a giant clock. Greetings. I am Captain Dapplewing. I have the honor of running this university. Throughout your time here, I expect you will be seeing a lot of me. Some of you may not make it through your four-year run. Others might get lucky. Regardless, I expect the same from each and every one of you. And that is commitment. When you walk through these halls, you are representing the elitist of the elite. The best of the best. And I expect nothing else from you but your best. This is not a vacation. This is not a place for you to lounge and pass the time. As far as any outsider is concerned, you are Strixhaven. And you will keep that in mind at all times. For it is not only your image that you have to worry about. It is Strixhaven's image. She, uh reaches the area of the room where the five of you are sitting. And she kind of pauses there for a moment. You almost get the sense that she might be speaking to you directly, but you know, you also might just be a little paranoid and it might just be coincidental. And she says, delinquency, truancy, disrespect, none of it will be tolerated here. And should you try and test that little theory, you will have me to answer to. And you will be expelled from this school 
and made an example of. Do I make myself clear? I'm sorry, I asked, do I make myself clear? Yeah, a lot of the students join in and very awkwardly respond, yeah, yes, yes, Captain Tappelman, yes. Good. I'm glad we have an understanding. And then she turns on her heel and without even looking over her shoulder, she just says, Mavinda, they're all yours. And the clockwork owl follows her out. Mavinda looks, once again, still very distressed and she's just like, oh, oh golly, uh, where was I? <clears throat> oh, right, uh, yeah, brilliant scholars. As you are now Strixhaven students, this storied biblioplex shall be thy second home for research, studies, even leisure. There's just one task left to accomplish before you officially embark on thy academic journey. And it is my favorite part of orientation, and thus it is required, yes. Shall we commence with the scavenger hunt? There's a moment of silence as a lot of students start looking at each other and then the mumbling starts once again as Mavinda says, Get into groups of five. It's okay to stay within your tower. The rules are simple. Each clue on this list will lead you to a different location in the biblioplex. Simply travel to that area the clue references and perform the action the clue suggests. Time is of the essence. You have only until the end of the day to finish your hunt. Solve as many clues as you can. There might be a prize or two that you'll encounter. Now then, off you go. Yeah, I, I think the way that it works is like we kind of slowly funnel. Um, and The other half of our tower decided they wanted to be together. <laughs> so right. then it's just the five of us. We're like, oh, okay, I guess we're here now. This has uh, three socially awkward people in it. Or I guess two socially awkward and one socially reluctant. <laughs> it's socially reluctant, I like that. Would it be safe to say that it's probably like Gary and Koss end up being like, we're in a group and then we grab Shelly and then mistake and then it's like Griffin is still off to the side. And just like, <laughs> like, fine. Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. Like he, he realizes that there is no option. <laughs> so he just goes over to the group. All right, so we got a scavenger hunt to do. Um, shall we just go down to the top to the bottom? Yeah, Rico that's says, fine. First day anxiety can be rather unpleasant. Try selling some spirit, no time like the present. I feel like this is a fortune cookie, not a scavenger hunt. Well, do we know, there? these are all places, right? Do we know what any of these places are? Uh, so I propose maybe we just start with number four. These leafy beds aren't always what they seem. Give them a pat and see what you glean. That one seems obvious enough. I would assume it's one of the gardens. Okay, yeah, we can jump to number four. Let's go. Is this a race? <laughs> some, some students are certainly treating it like one. Some groups of students that are very competitive and they're just like running around together in a group trying to solve these riddles. But yeah, you follow Garrett's advice and you head to one of the gardens. All of the the noise from the outside of, of the gardens kind of gets muffled the moment you step foot in them. 
and yeah, you see all these small trees, these rose bushes,、uh, all these beautiful flowers. You don't see any leafy beds yet. So we go into one of the gardens. We don't see any obvious leaves. Like, the snake's gonna look around, like go through the whole garden, kind of walk around everywhere, try and figure out what this means. As you're stepping around through the gardens, you notice that there are certain areas underneath trees where, if you step, the flora, the the leaves beneath you start to blossom magically, and then when you remove your foot, they kind of die down again. Gonna gonna give them a pat. All right. The weight of your body alone makes the、uh, makes the leaves kind of sprout, and all of these leafy beds. Sprout up. I, I should mention that Professor Mavinda did state, even though you're in, working in groups, you each have to gather one clue per person. But mistake, you're the first one. What?、Um, right now, at this moment in time, just given what she already knows about all the colleges, what college do you think she'd be most likely aligned with? And I、Lord、think I know the answer. But Lorehold, absolutely Lorehold. Okay. The flower bed that you tap. Starts to unravel. It blossoms into a very bright red flower, and at the very center of it, you see a plushie. It is in the shape of a statue that has like little sparkles on the edges. You gain a cuddly Strixhaven mascot as your first clue of the day. Everybody can see mistake doing this, and the mascot will have an imprint of a number four on its back. All right.、Um, so I'll also do the same thing then. All right. And yeah, for each and every one of you, the same question. At this time, whatever college that you feel the most aligned with personally, that is the cuddly Strixhaven mascot that pops out for you, just by mere magical coincidence.、Uh, currently, Cost is leaning Prismari. Okay. So then your cuddly Strixhaven mascot starts off as a、uh, an elemental. Garrett is leaning Quandrix. So, what's Garrett's favorite animal? Ooh, I think Garrett's favorite animal is a mouse. <laughs> so it looks a lot like a mouse, except it looks almost crystallized, but the plushy version of crystallized. So, like that—that that kind of material that you can add glitter to. Shelly's is,、uh, I presume, Witherbloomy. Yep. It looks like a like a big old like caterpillar. That's kind of cute with googly eyes. Griffin, did you want to get a plushie? Yeah, might as well. Not what his family follows, which is the Lorehold.、Um, they're all sorcerers, wizards, but out, out pops a Prismari,、uh, and he's <laughs> taken aback at at that because that's about self-expression. Oh, look, we match. Twins. <laughs> I mean, we could be. All right. So, having examined this, realized I have no idea what the fuck this thing does. I'm gonna use the little tape thing as a pouch to hold it, and then while waiting for everyone else, continue going through the rest of the scavengers and figuring out what location each could be. All right, investigation. That's a nat twenty,、hey. and I have a plus ooh, seven. Definitely,、uh, I'll give you a. Ooh, I'll give you a few for that one. All right. So 
number one is going to be uh, back toward the entrance. That's going to be the, the store that was there. Uh, the second one is the location where we sign up for extracurriculars. The third one is right by the stairs where you can sign up for jobs. Uh, the fifth one is going to be the cafe. I think that's right by the store. The seventh one is obviously back in the Hall of Oracles where we just were. I'm not sure on the sixth one. So shall we just go in order? Sure, let's do it. Uh, do we want to deal with this or do we want to go check out the lounge? Cafe thing. I mean, we're here. There are gonna be people regardless. Um, rather than wait, I have this feature where once a day I can do a roar. <laughs> and I would like to do a daunting roar to get those people out of the way <laughs> so we can get our stuff. Alright, I'm gonna go grab like a patch to put on the big floppy hat. I'll take a scarf. Mistake wants to find, so she has like these um, very worn wraps around both hands that go from like, you know, the knuckles down to the wrist. So she wants to see if she can get that that doesn't look so ratty. So she's just gonna get generic Strixhaven kind of like hand warmers. I don't think she understands all of the other colleges yet, even though she absolutely will end up in Laurel. Gary's going to buy the cheapest thing he can, which is an enamel pin, uh, probably with just the general Strixhaven logo. And he's going to complain a lot. Just like, we're already making us pay so much for this school and now we're just supposed to spend more money just so that we can go through orientation. Believe this. Gary, aren't you sponsored? Well, yeah, but I mean, only for the first year. Also, I don't really believe that the Legion is paying. I think that Minnie's doing it. I don't think that they like me enough. I mean, they're paying for me, so... You know, I think they probably like you better. I don't even work for the Legion. That probably helps. <laughs> Shelly's gonna go up to Gary and be like, that's okay, and gives Gary a copper. Aww. Oh, no, uh, you don't need to do that um that's okay what'd you get i want to get the same thing this this pin i feel awkward now are you sure well yeah i mean if if you can't afford it you know no i mean i can afford it i do have one copper just i'd just rather and shelly gets the same thing and then walks away <laughs> all right and you're paying for for garrick yeah all right cross the hall to Extracurriculars! I'm so excited for this part. We'll sort of grab Koss by the shoulder and just be like, the cafe's closer. Oh, um, food's also nice. <laughs> then we can go do the other ones. It's just, this one's really close. No, so I understand. Let's just okay. go. <laughs> so, the Bibliotech's Cafe. The walls of this cafe are covered with a mural made from living trees' roots, which move occasionally and make the entire place feel alive. The ceiling is covered in painted leaves, which change colors depending on the season, thanks to a permanent illusion effect. 
The magic also prompts painted squirrels to run up and down the mural's walls and painted birds to chirp among the leaves. It, it feels almost like you're walking into a little like meadow. You see um, like one student um, ordering a drink and you see another student wearing Quandrix garments waiting 10 feet away from the, um, the barista. Really don't like this clue because it says only one in five will be rewarded. So does that mean we have to just keep buying things until we get five of whatever? I mean, it does kind of seem like they want us to spend money here. So let's everybody get a drink? Sure, great. As soon as you approach the counter, this student who is um, who was standing there, she immediately just like runs ahead. Nope, sorry, this one's mine. Can I use a reaction just to grab them? 16 plus three, I got a 19. All right, you are able to hold her back. This student is a human. She is wearing very huge round glasses and she has bright uh, like turquoise colored hair. She is wearing first first year robes, but she's got Quandrix merch all over her, like a Quandrix scarf, a Quandrix enamel pin. You can tell where she's leading. Can I help you? Remember your manners. We're here first. Well, not to get technical, but I've been waiting for five minutes. While this is happening, Shelly's just gonna go. <laughs> now listen here, you. I will not stand here and be lectured about manners by Alionin. You... Ugh, I can't stand you people. You people are so privileged. You think the whole world owes you favors just because... Stop of... it. I'm sorry, what? Stop it. Stop making assumptions about people just because of what they are. Griffin is very surprised to have somebody stick up for him. Huh. Spoken like a true lesser. Look, I don't want to stand here and argue with you, okay? The fact is, I've got to get my hands on five cups. You know how painful it is to wait for that? Five cups, given the whole, you know, only one in five thing? Well, it sounds like you should be here with the four other members of your group, doesn't it? Maybe you should go find them and let us continue with our work. We split up. We're being strategic. Does Shelly have something? Because I want to just come back and be like, oh, look at this. <laughs> the barista is this really nice gnome lady, and she just hands you your drink. Like, here you go. Uh, and the cup has a, a five on it. I'm gonna go up to the um, barista and ask, so for this one, are we meant to only bring back one for the team or uh, one for every single person on the team? Oh, hey, honey. Um, yeah, it's, I don't know why they do this. It's kind of like you have to buy multiple cups of coffee throughout your orientation or something. It's stupid, I know. Uh, I'll tell you what. Roll me a charisma test. Uh, can I do persuasion? Sure. It's a 14 total. Uh, I'll tell you what, honey, I gotta go use the bathroom real bad. Um, if you just like fill in for five minutes, I can get you and your friends a cup each, huh? Okay, sure, I can do that. I'm yeah. sure you'll be fine. Oh, no. <laughs> I actually uh, know I, how to make things. I will um, take a second and pull my hat down and then come back up as the barista. She has a name, but I- A very tall version of the gnome barista. <laughs> Am I still grappling that person? <laughs> yeah, you're just fucking yeah. bullying them. She like eventually, after after mistake, like stood up for you. She got scared of the tiefling and like immediately just like shied away and ran back to join her group. Um, so yeah, she's gone. Shelly's gonna go to Koss and be like, hello, 
bartender and wink. <laughs> Hello. I would like yeah, there's also... four more. Well, uh, maybe you should wait until I get back from my bathroom break. I don't know where the labeled cups are. Shelly's gonna Garage. go around the back and help look for the labeled cups. <laughs> Garrett, since you said you also hopped behind the counter to help cough, yep. um, you hear a Hey, hey you. Yes, it's, hello? It's the same girl that was just bickering with uh, Griff and the steak. Look, I don't want any trouble, okay? But there's a silver here with your name on it. If you just get me five of those cups, huh? I, I mean, I would, but I don't know where they are. <sighs> she was getting them from that cabinet there. I saw her. I'm, I'm sure she doesn't mind, okay? I'm gonna say uh, the reason Mistake doesn't notice is as soon as this person is like out of visual range, like line of sight's broken, Mistake just kind of panics, like tail wraps around her ankle and she's just doing her best not to visibly panic. <laughs> All right, so neither one of you notices this, only Garrett. And Cos is probably too busy helping customers. A lot of them don't care what the hell they get. Some of them just ask for coffee. Some of them ask for water, as long as they get a cup. Garrett is currently being talked to by, she says, I'm Lorene. What's your name? Uh, Gary. Gary, nice to meet you. I see that you have a fractal mascot there, Gary. You were Hondrix hopeful? Uh, at least according to the leaves. I happen to know a lot of good people to talk to. I'm happy to put in a good word. If you help a fellow Quandrix out, huh? Uh, I mean, I can try. I I don't know how successful I'm going to be. I'm not sneaky. She holds up the shiny silver. You know, I heard you complaining at the student store. Something about spending too much money and you needing to find your own way for a second year. Yeah, yeah, all right, I'll check, okay? Uh, I think he's gonna kill a little bit of time by like actually filling some of the orders because I'm assuming Cost is sort of taking them, doesn't really know what to do with them. And so he's just like, all right, I, I do know what coffee is. Cost can at least give them water. Yeah. <laughs> um, do I need to roll like a sleight of hand to see if I can get these cups without anyone else on my team noticing? Yes. Shelly actively looking through the cups though. Shelly's just gonna be like, hey Garrett, and then take all the cups and throw them to the crowd. <laughs> Garrett's gonna grab one of the whole rolls, walk back over to Louine and be like, uh, I don't think I can take your money now. Anyways, here. She still leaves the silver there on the counter. Hello, um, we're looking for clues from a scavenger hunt. Do you have anything marked with number three? Oh, I don't know. Perhaps if you were interested in applying for a job? And she pulls out the job application, but there's a light near her, like a, a lamp that projects and you can see through and there's a backwards three because you, you see it from, it's on the other side of the page. Oh yeah, sure. I'll take, I'll take uh, five. I'll take five. Excellent. We have many interesting opportunities here at Strixhaven. Whether you want to work at the Bozen Tavern or the Fire Jolt Cafe, you can even work here at the Biblioplex. And she just does not stop talking. She keeps going and she like pulls out a long scroll of job positions you. available. 
You got anything where you can just be left alone? Well, sure. I mean, if that's your preference, you can work as a groundskeeper. They tend to have a lot of alone time. It's a very solitary job. Grabs it. Uh, are there restrictions on who you hire? Restrictions? Well, I mean, we do have a list of people to never hire again, if that's what you mean. But there are no... restrictions? Not really. Unless, of course, you are lazy and neglect your job. Why? Where do you envision yourself working, honey? I didn't picture anyone where I would hire Tiefling. Honey, we do not discriminate by race here at Strixhaven. I'm gonna take the application, just kind of back away, very unconvinced. <laughs> yeah, so we can go to the extracurriculars and probably like grab the like um, sign up forms from there. <laughs> you guessed it. You already see people there um, higher years uh, because they're wearing their college colors. So you see somebody recruiting first years for the horticulture club, for gymnastics club, silk ball club. There's all sorts of t tables here that you can check out. But everybody's heading straight for the flyer table, which is just the general like extracurricular and very easy, much like the job application. There is a number uh, two behind the, the flyer. So Kossi is initially heading straight for the flyers table, but they get sidetracked as they see like the theater club and they just like go up yeah. to that, that group and just start like being like, Oh, what kind of productions do you do? Oh, well, I'm glad you asked, mate. My name's Quintilius, Quintilius Melantor III. Quintilius, uh, my name's Koss. It's uh, a pleasure to meet you. What do you look like right now? Uh, currently like a high elf. Koss. Tell me, are you into dramatics? I'm as into dramatics as uh, the other any other person, I suppose. I just like um, I like putting on different um, people, I suppose. Ah, I absolutely love that. I appreciate a person who can jump into someone else's skin at any moment. I pride myself in my ability to do the same. Oh, wait, hold on. Are you? Are you a changeling too? Am I a what? A changeling? Cos will, like, hat down and then come back up as Quintilius. Huh. You mean you can do that whenever? Like, whenever, without any makeup? Yeah, and I pride myself on my ability to do so. <laughs> huh. Well... Good for you, I suppose. You can get an air of jealousy from him. Oh, uh, uh, back back into Costa's given form. Uh, sorry, was that was that weird? Little bit, yeah, little bit. Just don't go stealing any of my parts, okay? I take this seriously. I don't care how many hours I have to sit at the makeup table. I have to play a drow, a goliath. Hell, once they asked me to play a tiefling. Could you believe it? This gorgeous face playing a filthy tiefling. Anyway, here. Take a flyer. Next. Shelly will oh, walk up next. To the same table? Yeah, same table. Shelly just followed Cuss. Just like, hello. Oh, hello. No need for cleanup here. Thank you. We got it. Uh, okay. And walks away. As uh, Shelly walks away, Cuss is just like, I think that guy's a racist. Griff is also following because, you know, he's got the Prismari and he's like, okay, so I'm gonna mm -hmm. not be buddy-buddy with anybody, but he would watch Koss go over and listen in. 
and uh, he's gonna pass on the the kindness of our tiefling friend mistake and I'll take two and then grabs them from him and then hands one down to the turtle that he now knows. Shelly just goes, thanks, Griff. Remember your manners. Um, uh, sorry, Mr. Burninghammer, sir. I, I pride myself in having manners. We'll gotta head over towards Mistake after we spot her and just be like, got sidetracked. Um, don't talk to that guy. Uh, you might have an idea for six. It sounds like a stage singing thing. I don't know. A stage thing? Stars may be ancient, enduring, and bright, but others, perhaps you, are born on opening night. So, yeah, um, I guess we'll head over towards the stage. Um, do we see anybody there doing a thing? Let's see. No. But you do see the stage is there, the curtains are drawn to a close, but there are several floating lights above the stage. Like little orbs. It looks almost like dragonflies, just kind of hovering around the stage. I think maybe we're supposed to catch one of them. I didn't bring my bow. I was thinking a net. Shelly takes out their shield and is just like, okay, and reaches up and tries to scoop up a bunch into the wood. <laughs> okay, they are about like 20 to 30 feet in the air. Okay, jump. <laughs> there we go. You can use your jump ability and I think sleight of hand if you're trying to do this. That is a 19. Jeez. Okay. Yeah, you jump up and with your shield, you're able to kind of encase a few of them. The problem <laughs> is that as, as soon as you land and you kind of bring them down with you, they kind of like balloons full of helium. They immediately start to want to go back up. I'm going to be like, grab them. <laughs> go try and catch them. <laughs> Presumably, you guys are all stepping onto the stage? Yeah. Yeah, if that's where they are, yep. So the rest of you, when, when Shelly jumped onto the stage, out of the, the floor, there emerged a little case, which reveals itself to be a lantern without any light inside. It's just the casing of the lantern. And then the rest of you leap on the stage, four more pop up. So now there are five little lightless lantern cases on there. Don't try and scoop a thing into a lantern. Yeah. All right. Yep. They resist. Uh, unless uh, you, you guys can roll me a, a flight of hand check like Shelly. I think Shelly might get hers automatically because of that 18. Thank you. Well, I got on that one. Yours escapes, Scott, and it's very appropriate that it does. I got a 17. plus 5. Okay. Mistake, you are somehow able to, like, finagle it into the lantern. 7. <laughs> okay, Griff, much like Shelly and Mistake, you're able to get your lantern and scoop up that little orb of light. Garrett and Kaz are just left there with the lanterns and then the the orbs of light just escape them and go back up to join the rest. Uh, oh, well... I'm sorry, guys, I can't jump again. Uh, it was very impressive the first time. Uh, thanks, it's magic. What, what, if, what if I climb on you? Uh, jelly. Well, um, they're, they're 20 feet up there, and I we're only 12 feet total. Uh... I think that we need to have mistake on you on me. 
Or we can <coughs> see what happens when someone does something star-like. I, I mean... Was jumping not star-like? Like something someone would do on a stage, like perform. I, I, I don't really perform so much, but uh, yeah, yeah, I guess I could give it a shot. Uh, so Koss will take their loot and um, look up at the firefly-looking things and just go... You light up my lantern, get in my lantern, please come on down, get inside and fill it now. Fill my lantern. <laughs> Mistake will sort of just cover it in a lantern and just scoop it. <laughs> we'll do, do the same with the second if another one happens to come down. It's only one one per performance and cause that was beautiful. Thank you. You get in Garrett's lantern. Please get in his lantern. Get in right now. This is the same song. <laughs> Light it up somehow. <laughs> I like that. Uh, yeah, a second orb comes down. Sure. I I wanted Garrett to do something, but like that is beautiful. So <laughs> I think that the orbs do fall. Wow. Thanks, Cos. Um, I can't sing, so that helped. The sign over there says that they have improv nights here, so you could probably just do that instead. I mean, how is improv different than whatever's happening right now? There's no music. Oh, that's, that's fair. Everything's really improv when you think about it. Are you sure you can't sing? Um, pretty sure, yeah. I think everyone can sing. Well, I can't do it well. Oh, okay. <laughs> after, after a few seconds, um... The, the orb of light begins to take shape inside of your lantern. It takes the shape of a, a beautiful um, translucent blue stone. Attached to it is a bit of a necklace, um, but the stone itself is kind of... It starts out as an orb and then it looks almost like a flame and then that flame takes shape into a stone and then the necklace kind of just forms around it. Inside of your lantern is now a Strixhaven pennant. This magic pennant bears the symbol of Strixhaven or one of its five colleges, Lorehold, Prismari, Quandrix, Silvercool, Witherbloom. So once again, whatever you're feeling at that moment, it bears that symbol, but it, otherwise they look identical. While you wave the pennant, the symbol on it glitters and the pennant sheds a bright light for a 10-foot radius and dim light for an additional 10 feet. So it's just a little, you don't have to carry around a lantern, you just have a little pennant that can shed bright light for 10 feet. Right. Well, uh, yeah, I feel like everybody's staring at me up here on the stage. So let's uh, let's go to do this last one. Okay, it's probably in the Hall of Oracles because the snarl. So we'll head back there. Just don't get too close to it. Shelley's thinking about how proud they are of themselves because they usually don't have any ideas. <laughs> Yeah, we'll go. We'll go towards the pool if everybody else is doing it. Yeah. All right. So everybody's reaching in and they're having the same reaction. They look a little dazed, almost like they forgot where they were, because they reached in and felt this energy. And a lot of their peers are like, "Are you okay? Is it good? Okay, my turn." 
they're a little concerned because this is this is there are students lining up to do this, but it feels like it changed them in some way. Professor Mavinda is standing there um, observing in case some of them, and in fact, you might even see one or two students that do faint from what they feel. Who's first? I want to ask the professor what's going on here. Oh, it's the snarl, my dear. The pooled energy there is very ancient. Snarls are all very ancient, my dear. Sometimes the students, when they touch that energy, it can be a bit overwhelming. Not to worry, it's perfectly safe. Unless thou happens to try and climb the tower and touch the actual snarl. That is very frowned upon. Please never do it. The pooled energy in the base, however, well, that has healing elements. And oftentimes when students go out of campus and get into trouble or they get hurt, well, we bring them straight here. Because this is their best chance of survival. So you said climbing up. Is it only I... dangerous if they climb? No, no Shelly, it's, it's the light that's dangerous. The snarl. Oh. It doesn't matter how you get to it. You could fly and it would still hurt you. Shelly looks at the teacher for approval of this idea. Uh, I implore thee not to have any funny ideas. If thou touches that snarl, it will kill thee. Make no mistake about it. Even some of the most powerful faculty in this uh, university cannot withstand such power. And she kind of explains that the, the pedestal in the middle, that acts as kind of a filter. Only the healing part of that magical, that mana, survives in this pool. Shelly has no more complaints. <laughs> Mistakes, just gonna, as go toward the pool thing, is just gonna tell Shelly, heard stories of what happens to people when they get too close to those. It's really bad. You've talked to people? Yes. Oh wow, how'd you do that? Kind of like this, just with other people. Oh wow. I Talking would... to people's hard. Sure. Griff, Griff knows that there isn't necessarily something to be worried about as long as you don't do it like a dummy. And so he just takes off his shoes or, or whatever. You know, I don't, I don't think he would wear shoes because he's mm. got lion feet. Uh, so he yeah. just kind of rolls up his pants a little bit, gets in. You momentarily lose track of your body and you lose track of time as you are overwhelmed by the snarl's magical power. You get a vision of where you envision yourself in five years. It is very brief for everybody in the room. It's only about a second or two before you are kind of pushed back away from the pool. But to you, it feels like 20 minutes, 30 minutes. Where does Griff envision himself in five years? I think uh, because Griff wants something more than just what the family history is, that family duty tells him to do. Mm -hmm. uh, but his father always prevents him from exploring the other things. I think he doesn't see anything. I think it's very dark. 
very ambiguous. Um, I don't think there's clear-cut anything, and that's worrisome to him. And as you are pushed back away from the pool, you find that the hand that you reached in to touch is now holding a potion of healing, and it's got a number seven on it. I'll go next. Wish me luck. Oh, okay. Um, I was going to ask if you wanted to hold my hand and bring me in. Uh, sure. Yeah, let's do that. Okay. So we'll hold hands and then reach our other hands into the pool. Where does Koss envision themselves in five years? I think Koss envisions themselves kind of like... Still in Ravnica, it's like a different apartment from uh, the one that uh, they're currently living in with their parents. Uh, they, in their vision, they know this this is their own place, and it's kind of decorated the same way that their room is, with paintings all over the place. But they are currently like seeing from first person themselves working on something but then like when they turn around to look into a mirror as they're drawing a self-portrait they don't see anything in the mirror because they don't know what they want to be shelly's gonna see their four new friends um sitting around in a circle playing a board game and um, all of them laughing and having a good time and um, is surprised to see Griff there uh, because they just didn't think that Griff was going to be a friend, but Griff has now stood up for them and it was very kind. And so uh, they see Griff there uh, laughing along just with the rest of them and it's, it's just an incredible sight. Um, and yeah, and then they're sucked back to reality, and they start crying. So Gary can go next, uh, where he would see himself in five years, also back in Ravnica, but running his own shop, kind of like what he was doing when he was working for Minnie, but now it's his own. So behind him, there's a lot of like cogs and gears kind of away at work, almost like the engine room of the blimp that he was on. You sort of have the impression that there's like a mage hand just turning a big wheel and Garrett is behind the desk. Everything is actually very clean. And he sees just like many walking by outside waving. He's very content. And mistake? Very hesitant, but after seeing everyone else do it, seemingly be okay. Little concerned about Shelly crying. She goes ahead and the first thing she sees is being back home. It's dirty and cold. She walks down to, down the dirt paths barefoot going through, you know, puddles to where she usually meets with her friends. There are fewer there than usual. And there's like an indication of like a, a kind of shrine thing, honoring someone who has recently died. So she opens a door to see that. And there's a part of her brain that's like, this isn't right. 
this is not what I want. This is not how I want things to be. And then slams a door. And then the door changes instead of this, you know, very old piece of plywood with like holes in it and it's like kind of molding away. It's just a nice wooden door in a nice house like you would have in Redfell as a human. And kind of backs up and she sees, you know, she's wearing nicer clothes and she's in an actual house and she turns around and her friends are there and she can look out the window and see that she's like on the second floor of a building with view of, of the port and she can see the ships at the docks and the bright red trees along the street. And I think that's what she sees. And you are pushed back to reality where you find yourself once again in the Hall of Oracles. Takes you a moment because all of these visions feel very real to all of you. There are TAs there just ready to help. Like, are you okay? Checking in with every one of you. And then finally, Professor Mavinda announces the end of orientation. And she says, all right, classes start in two days time. In the meantime, feel free to explore Strixhaven's grounds. This will be your new home for the years to come. Any questions, you can always count of the faculty of the Biblioplex. Thank you and have a lovely day. Hello everyone. Thank you for joining us again this week. This episode was recorded in Watertown, Massachusetts, also known as the traditional land of the Pekuset and Nanantum peoples. I'd like to give a huge thank you to all of the talented musicians that helped bring this podcast to life with their amazing music. We've provided a link to their web pages in the description. I would also like to thank our talented players, Tyler Rubin, Amelia Markopoulos, Rin Garnett, Michael Yang, and Nikki Aguilar-Thompson. This story would not be the same without their wonderful creativity. I've been your host and DM, Alex Aguilar-Thompson, and I hope to see you here again next week for another episode of Roleplay Radio.